BBC Good Food Show Winter at the NEC in Birmingham. It may be raining a little outside, but the sunshine and the Christmas spirit is in plentiful supply here at the NEC. Now, I'm delighted to say that sat in front of me is Paul Young. And, Paul, I'm just looking at your, your bio. Best sea-salted caramel in the world two years running. Wow. I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, this was in the early days of me being in chocolate. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it was... Literally unbelievable. I developed a caramel that I wanted to eat. That, that was it back in 2003, maybe 2004. Yep. And I wanted a caramel that re- tasted of old-fashioned English toffee, but not chewy, really silky smooth, not sugary, not, you know, um, flavourless. And so I just put good things in it, like cream and butter, uh, unrefined like muscovado sugar to give it caramel flavour, but... The other touch was sea salt. And I remember people saying, why are you putting salt in caramel? No one does that. You're crazy. And a few people in London, a few chocolatiers, had just started putting salt in. We all know that there was salt in caramel in Brittany. It's quite popular there. But as a chocolate, unheard of. And I was encouraged to enter it without having a chocolate business at that time into the Academy of Chocolate Awards. And it won a gold, which... So this, that's what started my <laughs> chocolate business, Paula Young Fine Chocolates. Wow. Just that one chocolate. Many people, Paul, will know you from um, Saturday Kitchen. And yep. other television shows uh, are, yep. of course, available. Uh, but you've been on there a lot. And you bring a, a level of science and alchemy is a great yeah. word, isn't it? To, to what it is a good word. What, what you do. I mean, it, it, do you get a lot of people who look at you and say, oh, I, I can't try that. It's too complicated. I'm not that clever. I'm so right. This is we've just I've just come off stage minutes ago and said the same thing. My my new book and things I do on TV on Saturday Kitchen particularly are to take away things that are too technical. I want to make it accessible as possible. And yes, being a chocolatier, there's a lot of chemistry involved. There's a lot of process. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. But what I try to do is make it really manageable for people buying my books or watching TV going, can I try that? Could I even have a go at that? Uh, and that's what I hope I get across, is approachable, creative. There is alchemy because what I encourage everyone to do at home is melt a bar of chocolate, go into your cupboard where all your spices and things are, mix some of it in and let it set. You know, that the alchemy is playing. That's how we come up with new flavours for our business. It's just playing. And the alchemy part is definitely... Anyone who likes food, you probably do it already when you throw something together out of the fridge for dinner. Mm, Leftovers as well. Can you use leftover chocolate? So great thing about chocolate is there's no waste, very little. So if you say you melted one kilo of chocolate and you used 600 grams, the 400 grams left, you just let it set, melt it again next time. There's, n- there's never any waste. So you don't, it's not something, for example, like a cake mix where you bake it once or you can't use some of it and use some of it later. You've got to do it all in one go. With chocolate, you can do it now and later. Mm. A, a lot of um, artisan, what's called them artisan producers here at the show, putting their heart and soul yeah. into their passion, which is food. Um, there are chocolate brownies. There's all sorts of different chocolates. I know you, you're probably going to have a chance to, to have a, a, a nip round I, at some point um, over the show. Um, is there good chocolate and bad chocolate? That's a great question. So I am known as not being a snobby chocolatier. My chocolate business, we use fine quality chocolate from suppliers and growers, cocoa growers and farmers, where we pay them directly if we can, or they're getting paid the right money. And it's what I would call high-end chocolate. We're paying a lot for it. It's not mass-produced, 
and it doesn't contain vegetable fat. So all the confectionery bars we eat and all those big brands of chocolate bars that are in the supermarket um, that are called confectionery, we all know, we all know what they are. Mm. <clears throat> um, that's not real chocolate because it's got vegetable fat in as well. So to say good and bad isn't right, but what I would say is everything has its place, but there is certainly good and bad tasting chocolate, and that can be subjective. For example, there are lots of big brands out there that have very dark chocolate, and it's very bitter when you taste it. But in the industry, dark chocolate shouldn't taste overly bitter and burnt. It shouldn't. It should be rounded and robust, but never have that burnt flavour. But a lot of the mass market chocolate does because they over roast the cocoa beans to generate what they think we want in bitter yeah. chocolate. But actually, quite often it isn't what we want. And I hold a lot of classes. And when we have people coming in our business saying, I don't like dark chocolate, I do always say, can I give you a bit of this chocolate mm. to try? And it will be something like it's between a 60 and 70% from a producer that I know cares for the beans well, roasts them gently, like anything, if you roast a potato too much, it will burn. Mm. If you roast a cocoa bean too much, it will burn and taint the flavour. And I give it to them, they say, this is lovely, it's really mild and mellow. And I said, that's dark chocolate. Yeah. It's one variety of dark chocolate. What you're describing there is very similar to the way that people talk about roasting coffee beans and the way that yes. wine experts talk yep. about, you know, the flavour and textures and things that they get when they, when they taste wine. I guess you've therefore got a, a really advanced palette for mm. chocolate yes the thing you do is I'm a, I'm a trained chef then a pastry chef then a chocolatier but the one thing you do very early on is understand your own palate and it's really unusual isn't it? it's like when you first hear your own voice on radio <laughs> or tv you go is that my voice do i sound like that well actually your palate if you really think about it and you when you eat you are tasting things you don't realize you're tasting and you have to be able to pick them out and understand when things are a bit off, not quite right, a bit salty, a bit sweet, a bit sour, you know, all those things. Mm. But you do that over years or over time. And with chocolate, exactly like with coffee, exactly like with wine, if you are studying that one thing, you know if you have that same variety of chocolate, same percentage from the same shop or supplier, eventually you will know if it changes. Everyone listening will have heard in the press over many years, at some point in some, your lives, where a big brand has, I'm doing the quotes, changed their recipe, mm. or it says new improved, and or haven't changed their recipe, but consumers are absolutely point blank sure it's changed. And you know what? It probably has. Something may have changed. But also in chocolate, the cocoa beans are not guaranteed to be exactly the same every time. The milk may not be exactly the same every time. You are going to get variances in it. Mm. But you know your tongue. And everybody smells and tastes individually. So when I give people chocolate now, I say now because I've changed over the years, I don't tell people what they're going to taste mm. because I can't tell you what colour you're seeing my jacket is. I can't see through your eyes. I can't smell through your nose and I can't taste through your tongue. All I can say is this character of chocolate from, example, Madagascar should be fruity. Mm. Then you say fruity could be acidic fruits, soft fruits, ripe fruits, unripe fruits. I let people understand, like uh, decide and understand themselves. And if the language isn't there, I say, just say how you feel. Hmm. And that helps a lot. 
That's it. I don't think I'll ever eat chocolate again and, and <laughs> it the same way. It's like the sort of flavour wheels and things. It's exactly and that. The same principle. Um, one of my favourite films, <clears throat> hopefully, is right up your street as well. That's Chocolat. Oh, I love it. I watch it it's multiple times a year just, still. It's just the most uh, lovely film. It, um, it implies that chocolate <laughs> has magical properties. It and does. there's myths and old wives' tales about the endorphins that are released and how yeah. it can make you feel better. And that some people are addicted to chocolate. What do you think? There are two sides. One, confectionery chocolate. You all know what they are, everyone. Particularly milk chocolate. And I was bars chocolate by the newsagent. We are hooked on the sugar and the fat together. There is this sweet spot in our, as human beings, where if you mix butter or a vegetable fat with sugar and a tiny bit of salt sometimes, it tastes amazing. It's how we start making most cakes and cookies. Mm. And it's lovely. But you're not addicted to chocolate if you're addicted to that. If you're eating good and fine quality dark chocolate that doesn't have vegetable fat in, you are, you are experiencing a chemical high. There have been lots of research, and I'm not going to quote by the scientists that have done this, but there was one research done where they put electrodes on people's heads when they ate high percentage dark chocolate. And the endorphin rush in the brain was same to similar as someone, and I'm not here advocating drugs, but it was a, it was a, it was a scientific study, that when someone took cocaine or another drug like alcohol or tobacco, any, or, you know, LSD, whatever it is, the brain doesn't identify what you're taking. It identifies the reaction. And the reaction of the chocolate was nearly the same. So when we eat it, yes, our eyes light up, our pupils dilate, our heartbeat goes up, and we want more. And you get dopamine into, the, into your brain, which makes you feel great. It's not the sugar when it's high percentage. It's the dopamine and the endorphins. And it's a chemical from the three of the... Cocoa, chocolate's called theobroma cacao. The theobromine in there is what is giving us that um, that natural high. Well, you must go to work every day of your life, <laughs> giddy with excitement about well, <laughs> how you're going to feel doing what you do. Well, I tell you what does work, and I recommend this to everybody. I know a lot of people have a coffee on a morning. Mm. We all know sometimes that is a guilty pleasure because we know what caffeine can do. People say, well, I get a caffeine rush, then I come down, then I need another one. The great thing about if you have a really high percentage, I don't mean bitter chocolate, you can sweeten it how you like, but a hot chocolate with, sometimes made with water or milk on a morning instead of a coffee, it's a much more sustained high, like energy release in the body, and you don't get the come down. Because there's a tiny bit of caffeine naturally in chocolate but it's the it's the theobromine that gets into your system and gives you this lift it's great mid-afternoon as well just a little bit it doesn't have to be a big mug it could be two or three squares of dark chocolate mm. i love the science behind all of this fantastic mm. bbc good food show winter at the nec paul young is with me um, i was you said chocolate chocolatier well, or chocolatier which which is it supposed to both be both are fine Brit okay. the british pronunciation is chocolatier or chocolatier if you want to be french <laughs> <laughs> you no. could be french today if okay you like. that, thank you very much <laughs> Merci à vous. um christmas lots yes. of different christmas flavors here people oh, yeah. looking for those smells and the things that evoke all those lovely lovely times at christmas chocolate's going to feature very heavily now i know that you have um uh, done some interesting thing with flavors yeah. and i noticed on the uh, in in the show guide it mentions goose fat caramel yeah now you said i was an, uh, liked alchemy in the industry people know me as someone who plays with flavor i think there's nothing more wonderful 
than the fact that we can taste. Like, you can change your day by smell. That's why aromatherapy is so popular. You can change your day by sight, going from the city to the countryside or just looking up for a change rather than down at the ground or around you. But taste is important. And I like to pull all of my experience as a chef, as a, uh, sorry, as a, yeah, as a chef, as a pastry chef, as a chocolatier, as someone being alive, particularly for my business, Paul Young Fine Chocolates in London, where customers are coming in and wanting me to take them on a journey. And the thing that I like is that fat plays a big part in lots of cakes, sweets and chocolates, usually butter. But then I, I grew up in the northeast of England and beef dripping was a popular mm. thing. My grandma had a dripping pot and you topped it up every week, but yeah. at the bottom was the gold, you know, the meaty juice, but you spread it on bread. And I was like, well, why can't I make that into a caramel? So I devised a recipe where I used the fat beef dripping in the caramel and it gave it this, it wasn't meaty, it was just this flavoured, seasoned, sweet and salty, a bit like a sweetened pork crackling style flavour. Then I moved it into duck fat and did a duck fat a la ronge truffle. So wow. not duck, there's no meat in it. And then the goose fat came, because I thought Christmas, goose fat, cranberries, sage. And I just wanted to, because we do, if you think about potatoes, they're quite sweet inside and we all goose fat our potatoes to roast them at Christmas. And I worked on a recipe that brought the goose fat in and everybody loved it. <laughs> and I thought, well, why not? That like we use, the word fat is a negative word. Mm. In our, in our world, as in people. If you say fat, it's either a derogatory word or it means it's unhealthy. But we're not told enough that fat in moderation actually is flavoursome, silky smooth, unctuous. It can bring a lot of joy. So for me, I thought I'd just play with it all, including olive oil, including all those other types of fats as well. But for me, those ones, the beef dripping, the goose fat and the duck fat, make the most gorgeous buttery caramel without the butter. Mm. I'm, I'm just play, playing that round in my yeah. mind at the moment. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm miles away thinking about it. The thing it. is at home, so I'll tell you, what, I'd, I'd lunched yesterday with, uh, actually with Kate Johns. She's my best friend and she has a, a PR company. She was the person who encouraged me to enter the very first Academy of Chocolate Awards with my sea salt of caramel. And we're still friends since 2004, all this time later, it's down to her why I entered. And we um, had a dessert there, and it was 70% dark chocolate, olive oil, sea salt, and macadamia nuts. Mm. And the first thing I asked was, can you tell us the brand of chocolate or the variety of chocolate used in the dessert? But it was absolutely delicious. It was like a very large spoon of chocolate mousse with a big indent in the top, olive oil poured in, sea salt, and then the macadamia nuts toasted. Olive oil with chocolate and such a sea salt. The first time I had that was Barcelona, very common in, on bre with crispy bread as well in Spain. And I was absolutely overjoyed to see it here. Olive oil and chocolate is fantastic together. And you can simply, everyone at home can simply take a piece of chocolate. If you've got some nice olive oil at home, put a drop on and taste it. Mm. It's absolutely gorgeous because the fat melts in with the chocolate and it adds a peppery flavour to it. What a great experiment for people this Christmas as well, isn't it? What and it's great also idea. stuff you've got at home. Yeah. Just a little, a little sea salt flake on a piece of chocolate. Fantastic. Milk, white or dark, it doesn't matter. Isn't it interesting how food 
from different countries travels mm. and and helps people understand where things come from and, and how we pick things up i remember being in rome years ago and being introduced with your your um, little espresso coffee after yeah. you've, you've had a, a meal um really good parmesan cheese dipped in honey yes i love that and i it, love that and isn't it great how those things stick in your mind particularly the first time it is you experience something like that it is if you like food but then it then you realize you go hang on a minute I have parmesan at home, I've got honey at home, or I can get both. Why not? And it is, it's, it is about being brave. I use brave as a word because quite often we are human beings and we like routine. Mm. And we eat the same things often because we like them. Occasionally, I mean, I do, I do the same thing with cheddar, like mature cheddar and chocolate together. Delicious. Absolutely great. Stilton with chocolate. Great. You can have what you want. There are no rules out there. I know we are told there are. We are in the media, all of us, with everything. You should have this, you should taste this. This red one goes with that. No, for me, no. You should try what you want to try. Mm. You will find something you really like that may be completely against what everybody says. It doesn't mean it's wrong. You might have actually hit on something pretty spectacular. Uh, that could be the making of you and your fortune. Cho- <laughs> chocolate and chilli was always an interesting one for me. It was. Like I said it was. It <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it used to be if we go back a few years. Now, you have been on stage. Um, have. Big crowds here uh, Huge, at yeah. uh, the Winter Show. Um, chocolate tart you've been doing. If I've been going yeah. through the recipes and they're all sort of graded and yours says yeah. more effort at yeah. the top. But obviously worth it. Now, everybody thinks they can sort of make a chocolate tart. Yeah. This looks spectacular. Well, the thing is, you know, there are some simple tricks and there are tricks with chocolate. There are skills that you can do that means you could either buy a chocolate tart from the supermarket, which are generally under-decorated. Hmm. There might be a little chocolate curl or a sprinkle of cocoa powder on, or you can make the recipe from scratch. But if you can make it look spectacular, particularly at Christmas, by melting some chocolate, spreading it on some scrunched-up uh, baking paper, put it in the fridge, then break it up and stick it in the top, and it look textural, and you put a little bit of gold powder on, which you can buy from supermarkets now. That's what I want people to do. It's not... And there's three elements in that chocolate tart. Make the pastry, make the filling, put the topping on. And even the pastry recipe is a creaming method, like people are familiar with making a cake. You don't have to rub it in, you don't have to laminate it, you don't have to do anything like that. I've tried to make it as approachable as possible, but I don't mind if someone buys a tart and decorates the top. Mm. You're doing one element of that recipe. And it is about, it's been about showy, isn't it? It's it when you bring it to the table and people yeah. go, oh, that looks fantastic. And that's the point for Christmas. That could be somebody's Christmas showstopper uh, at the end of the meal. Yeah, because no, not know, everybody so. likes Christmas pudding. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to have Christmas pudding. And to be honest, with this tart, you could put a glug of brandy in the mix or whiskey or rum to make to give it that festive flavour or a sprinkling of cinnamon on top. Mm. You know, so you can make it Christmassy, but it doesn't have to be Christmas pudding. Although I think there might be a good Christmas pudding stand here at the show that I might be I, visiting. I think there is. <laughs> yeah, you know where you're going to I love Christmas. BBC Good Food Show Winter at the NEC in Birmingham until Sunday. A busy show. You can go online, bbcgoodfood.com for more information and, of course, to buy tickets. Uh, Paul, brilliant to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Um, What's Christmas like just finally in your household? Filled with chocolate. Do people buy you chocolate as presents? I mean, that must be quite a dangerous thing to do for them. No, they don't, (laughs) friends listening. Um, I tell you what, though, I'm... For the first time in many years, I'm going to be at home for Christmas with my mum and stepdad. Um, I can't wait because I haven't been home for Christmas in a long time. So I'm going to go for a few days before and after. Mum has been stocking up the quality street roses and celebrations already. So I'm not a snobby chocolatier, you know, as I said, (laughs) because for us, 
particularly Quality Street and Roses, they are nostalgia through and through. We share them out, we pick the favourites, we sit in front of the log burner, she's got a log burner finally, um, and it's our, it's our ritual and everybody has their chocolate ritual. It'll be, it'll be des definitely festooned with sweet things because my mum and stepdad have the same sweet tooth I do. I got my sweet tooth from my mum. Fantastic. Really great to catch up with you. Have a great Christmas. Thank you, you too.